Welcome to Tariq Amba Podcast and Videocast. I'm Solomon Cabrillier. Welcome back to the Tarikamba podcast and videocast. I'm Solomon Kukrige. Today's episode, we will look at Emperor Kuno Amlak and the restoration of the Solomonic dynasty. According to the tradition claimed by Ethiopia's imperial dynasty from the fall of Denyajan or Dilnaod and the exile of his son Mahabraudam to Shah, there followed 10 generations of Solomonic princes who set down their roots in Shah and continued as claimants of the throne occupied by the Zagwe dynasty. Mahabharudam was followed by his son Agwazion, who was followed by Sinfararad, followed by his son Nugusari, succeeded by his son Asfaha, followed by his son Yaqob, followed by his son Bahar succeeded by his son Adam Askid or Wudamaskid. Wudamaskid would be the father of Tesfaye Yesus, also known as Yukonu Amlak. It would be Yukonu Amlak who would succeed in raising a successful rebellion and remove the last of the Zagwe emperors and mount the throne of his fathers. According to the chronologies of Ethiopian monarchs, Emperor Yukonu Amlak re-established the Solomonic dynasty on the imperial throne and restored the legitimate bloodline over the empire. He claimed uninterrupted male line descent from the last of the Aksumite emperors, Delnaod, who was deposed and killed by Yodit Gudit in the 10th century. Yukono Amlak was born in the town of Sagart, not far from the modern city of Desi. His father had been appointed governor of either Ambasal or Ambagishan at the time. His name, Yukono Amlak, means may God be his protector or his support. Most of Yukono Amlak's history is recorded in oral traditions and a few accounts preserved in hagiographies such as that of the island monastery of Kudus Stephanos on Lake Hike in modern Dainwadlo zone of the Amhara region, where Ikono Amlak was said to have been educated in his youth, and in the gadals of two particular local saints, the Gadla Zenamargos and the Gadla Goestos. Gadals are written works which glorify particular saints, speaking about their histories, their works, and their miracles. From these two gadals, it would seem that just as crucial to the young prince's rise from claimant to crowned monarch as his illustrious paternal lineage from the Aksumite emperors, were his extensive blood ties of his maternal family to influential and powerful clergymen of the Orthodox Church. These clerical relatives presented the growing power of the network of monastic communities in Tigray, the region that would later become Wadlo, and through Shoah to the remote south. Yukono Amlak's rise from a dispossessed claimant to the acknowledged emperor and king of kings of Ethiopia was facilitated by two powerful clergymen who would play key roles in the restoration of the Solomonic dynasty and who are venerated today as saints of the Orthodox Church. They are Abba Iyesus Moa, which means Father Jesus Victorious, Abbot of the Kudus Stephanos Monastery of Lake Hike, 
near the great mountain fortress of Ambassal, and the great Abba Teklahemanot, father, plant of faith, abbot and founder of the monastery of Debrelibanos in the Shawan district of Salali, and probably the greatest of Ethiopia's native saints. One might wonder why these churchmen would champion Ikono Amlak so strongly when the Zagwe emperors had been such devout patrons of the Orthodox Church. In the Gedle Kohastos and the Gedle Zena Marcos, there is to be found a compelling maternal lineage for Ikono Amlak that may explain why the church, or rather prominent church fathers, came down so strongly in favor of his cause and against the devout Zagwe's. Ties of blood and close kinship bound the leading churchmen of the day to the Shawan Solomonic claimant. The roots of this tight familial bond were two prominent figures of the late Zagwe period, Matius the Makonnen, or ruler, of Wagda and Katata, and the priest Zakarias, a powerful and widely respected clergyman. Matius had a son, Medhanina Igzi, who became ruler of Fatagar, and daughters Menezion and Ubezion. Zakarias had four sons, Zagazaab, Arkaladis, Theodros, and Indrias. Matius of Wagda Katata and Zacharias the priest bound their families together with several marriages. Matius's granddaughter by his son Medhanina Igzi of Fatagar was Igzi Haria, and she married Zagazaab, son of Zacharias the priest. Zagazaab and Igzi Haria were the parents of Abba Teklahemanot, who became the prominent saint and abbot. Matius's daughter Tavasion married Zacharias the priest's son Arkaladis and their son was the great Abba Hazen Moa, another great abbot and influential clergyman. Matius's other daughter, Menezion, first married Galaudius, ruler of Doaro. They had two sons and a daughter. Their eldest son was Abba Goestos of Sarmat, another important abbot and future saint. Interestingly, Galaudius of Doaro abandoned his marriage and joined his eldest son as a monk. His and Menezion's second son, Iyasu, became the ruler of Doaro, in his father's place. The third child of Galaudius and Menezion, a daughter whose name is lost to history, was the mother of another great monk, Abba Tesfahazen. Critically, abandoned by her first husband, Menezion married again. This time, she married Abitu Wudemasked, the heir of the old Aksumite emperors. They had twins, one of whom was the future emperor Ikono Amlak and the other his twin sister, Deborah. Ikono Amlak's sister, Deborah, would marry another son of Zacharias the priest, Theodros, and bore the great Abba Zena Marcos of Debra Besarat, another great abbot and saint. The remaining son of Zacharias the priest was Andreas, father of Abba Samuel of Debra Wagag, or Asabot Monastery. Ikono Amlak was thus, at the time of his ascendance, cousins and uncle of all the most powerful leaders of the Orthodox monastic communities in the empire and its various vassal states. The influence of these monastic leaders in the church was undoubtedly decisive in turning the hearts and minds of a country and indeed the state legitimacy from an established reigning house to the heir of a long fallen dynasty. Legends state that several prophecies, one account even credits a rooster with voicing one of these prophecies, were made saying that the young son of the Shawan prince Abeto Wudemasked and his wife Menezion Abeto Yukono Amlak would succeed to the imperial throne of his Aksumite ancestors. As the tale of these prophecies spread, Yukono Amlak's mother became fearful that the Zagwe emperors would try to eliminate this threat to their throne. 
So she traveled to Lake Hike, where the abbot of the monastery there, Abba Iyosus Moa, agreed to give the little prince sanctuary. No doubt, Minetzion's extensive network of relatives in the influential church positions would have played a role in convincing Abba Iyosus Moa to be receptive to giving sanctuary to her son. It was an Ethiopian tradition that boys and young men looking to achieve a certain level of education would do so in the great monasteries of the country. And so Ikonu Amlak spent the years of his sanctuary at Lake Hike being educated. Indeed, some traditions maintain that Ikonu Amlak reached the level of memher, or teacher, scholar, in the study of church liturgy and hymnology. Abba Yesus Moa was a man who enjoyed considerable influence at the Zagwe court, and the latter Zagwe emperors had been generous of, in their patronage of his new monastery on Lake Hike, to the point that it had emerged as the preeminent monastic house in the realm, eclipsing even the older Debradamo and the other monasteries established by the nine saints of the Aksumite era. Abba Yusus Moa was born on an uncertain date in a place called Dahana, which may have been the village of Dahana, just east of the Tekaze River in Tigray, or may have been a place in Wag, part of the Ago heartland of the Zagwe dynasty. When he was 30 years old, Iyosus Moa entered the Debredamo Monastery and was invested as a monk by the great abbot Abba Johannes. He studied under Abba Johannes for seven years, and the abbot tested his commitment to the monastic life by assigning him difficult tasks. He eventually left Debredamo and went to the church of Gaddus Stephanos, or Saint Stephen, located on an island in Lake Hike. Today, that island has become a peninsula, but the church is still there. The original church had been built by the Aksumites in the 8th century. He found a group of hermits living on this island and organized them into a monastic community. Among the 10 original novice monks of Dusistifanos Monastery of Lake Hike was the young Abba Teklahaimanut, Yukono Amlak's first cousin once removed, and perhaps Ethiopia's greatest saint who spread the Orthodox faith well beyond the areas that it had existed in until then. Abba Teklahaimanut would spend 10 years studying at Hike under Abba Iyosus Moa before going off to Aksum and from there to the great monastery of Debradamo, where he also studied under the abbot Abba Johannes. Abba Teklahaimanut, who by now had assembled a group of followers in his own right, decided to return to Shoah and establish his own monastery. On his return route southward, he stopped once more at St. Stephanos' monastery on Hike to be fully invested as a monk by Abba Yosus Moa. Upon his return to Shoah, Abba Teklahaimanut established a new monastery at the edge of the towering escarpment between Salali and Graya districts and named it Debraazmo in the year 1284. In the 15th century, it would be renamed Debra Libanos and would eclipse Hike and all other monasteries as the greatest monastic house in the realm. As mentioned earlier, Teklahemanut was born into a well-to-do clerical family, the great-nephew of Ikono Amlak's mother, Minetzion. He was born at Itisa in northern Shoah and would herald a renewal of the Christian faith in Shoah and also go on to spread the Christian faith far to the south of Shoah into the old regions of Damot and Bali and among the Sidama people. His disciples carried the faith even further afield. His cousin, Abba Samuel, established Debrewagag or Asabot Monastery near what is now Harar, and Abba Zena Marcos, another cousin, established Debrebisrat and Abba Koestos and Abba Tesfahazen, to mention a few others, established other monasteries around the region. 
Apatek Lahemanut has traditionally been given the lion's share of the credit of restoring the Solomonic line of the old Aksumite Empire, and indeed some accounts make out that he was the sole actor in maneuvering the Zagwis off their throne. The saint is credited in his hagiography with many incredible spiritual feats, such as praying for seven years on one leg while standing in a cave surrounded by spears so that he would not fall asleep. His leg is said to have withered and fallen off. He is also said to have been rewarded for his piety with the six wings of heavenly seraphim, and is shown in Ethiopian and Coptic iconography with six wings and standing on one leg. Teklahemanut and his monks at Debrazmo or Debrelivanos and Etisa were part and parcel of the Shoan loyalists to the old Aksumite dynasty, which after ten generations they regarded as their own, fortified with their ties of blood to the young heir through his mother. Although Abba Yusmoa had strong ties to the devout Zagwe court, his close association with the Solomonic heir from Shoah, whom he'd practically raised in his monastery, would have weakened those bonds with the Zagwe's. The ecclesiastic duo of Abba Teklahemanot and Abba Yususmoa would play a vast role in the restoration of the Solomonic dynasty and would seal the iron bonds that held the Ethiopian monarchy and the Ethiopian Orthodox Tohadu Church to each other. While the restored Solomonic dynasty was of a far more militaristic bent than the pious, virtually clerical Zagwe monarchs, the bonds that tied the church to the dynasty and the dynasty to the church would be firmly and deeply rooted. Traditionally, St. Teklahemanot has been given the lion's share of the credit for restoring the Solomonic dynasty to the throne it had lost two centuries earlier. Many modern historians, such as G.W.B. Huntington and Carlo Conti Rossini, have indicated that Abba Yusus Moa may have actually played the larger role. However, the ties of blood between the other abbots led by Abba Teklahemanot to Yukono Amlak cannot be underemphasized. Regardless of which saint is credited, accounts agree that the clergy were key in bringing the House of Solomon to the throne. Teklis Adik Mokrea writes that Abba Teklahemanot had come back to Haik to visit his mentor Abba Yusus Moa when he met his cousin, the young Yukono Amlak, at the monastery. Overjoyed at meeting the prince, he expressed his fears to Abba Yusus Moa about the proximity of Haik to the Zagwe court at Lalibela. He suggested that he take the boy to show off for his safety. Yukono Amlak was based largely in the region of Toglet, but Teklehemano took him to other districts of Shoah, such as Marabiti, Yifat, Menz, and introduced him to the local nobility. Tekles Adik Mokrea also quotes the Gedle Teklehemanot and writes that Yukono Amlak also traveled to Lasta and served within the Zagwe palace under an assumed name in order to learn the practices and rituals of the imperial court. He states that as Abuna Teklehemano traveled around the land preaching the gospel to the faithful and spreading it among the non-Christian populations, he also would preach that the Zagwis had illegitimately usurped the throne and that Yukono Amlak was the rightful emperor. He even states that Abba Teklehemano even preached this message in Lasta before Emperor Nakutola Ab himself. Nakutola Ab was a very devout man who, like many others, was deeply in awe of the saintly Teklehemano. This is a man who is said to have worn a crown of thorns every Friday in place of his imperial crown, in memory of the crucified Christ. Indeed, Nakutalaab would be made a saint himself eventually. However, the Gedla Teklahemanut states that Emperor Nakutalaab agreed that upon his death it would be Kono Amlak who would succeed him, although Tekles Adik Mokrea and other historians find this to be unlikely. 
However, if this is not a later addition to further cement the succession of Yukon Amlak, it would appear that Nekotola'ab's son took exception to this decision. Upon the emperor's death, Yukon Amlak was seized and imprisoned on Mount Malut by the new Zagwe emperor, Za'il Maknun, son of Emperor Nekotola'ab and great-nephew of Emperor Lailibela. His name, Za'il Maknun, which means the unknown, is an unusual one and may be that his actual name was later blotted from the chronicles and replaced with the unknown, either by his Zagwe rivals such as Emperor Itbarek or by the Solomonic dynasty that followed. Yukonwa Amlak managed to escape from detention, however, and fled back to Shoah. He assembled an army to challenge the Zagwe monarchy and marched back north. In the meantime, Za'il Maknun himself had lost his throne to his cousin, Emperor Yitbarek, a son of Emperor Lalibela. It was Yitbarek who raised his banner and met the Solomonic claimant in battle to defend the Zagwe dynasty. However, the Zagwe's found that they were at a distinct disadvantage. First, they were divided amongst themselves, with Yitbarek only recently displacing his cousin on the throne. Inter-Zagwe rivalries continued to simmer. Secondly, Yukon Ramlak, with his claims of descent from the Aksumite emperors, had captured the popular imagination with images of past glories and greatness inspiring nobles and commoners to flock to his banner. Most critically, the leadership of the Orthodox Church, the network of monasteries led by powerful and popular clergymen, most related to the new claimant, had lined up solidly behind Yukon Ramlak. This endorsement gave the Shoan prince a legitimacy beyond military conquest that the Zagwe's could not compete with. The Zagwe's, never a great military house, were defeated at the Battle of Ansita in July 1270, where Yitbarek was confronted by Ikono Amlak and his allies, which included the Gafat people, commanded by an unnamed Muslim simply called the Malasai. The Gafat people were an ethnic group that once inhabited present Western Ethiopia. They spoke the Gafat language, an extinct South Ethiopic grouping within the Semitic subfamily of the Afroasiatic languages and closely related to Harari and Eastern Guragi languages. It was more distantly related to Amharic, Tigrinya, and Giz. It is believed that the Gafat have largely assimilated into the Amhara ethnic group. Also fighting on Yukon Amlak's side was the Sultan Dil Gamis and his army from the Muslim Sultanate of Shoah. The Shoah Sultanate, distinct from the largely Christian Shoah province to its west, was a Muslim kingdom in present-day Central East Ethiopia. Its capital, Walali, was situated in northern Harargi in Harla County. Its territory extended, possibly, to some areas west of the Awash River. The rise of the Sultanate of Shoah had played a role in the decline of the Aksumite Empire. Several engravings dating back to the 13th century, showing the presence of the Sultanate can be found in Jalanko, Bati, Harla near Deradawa, and Munesa near Lake Langano. It was one of the oldest documented Muslim states in the region. The Sultanate occupied a stretch of inland Muslim trade lines and dominions known to the Arab world as the country of Zela, as these routes fed into the trading port of Zela on the northern coast of what is now known as Somaliland. The Sultanate of Shoah was ruled by a dynasty known as the Makhzumis, who are believed to have been Arab immigrants who arrived in Shoah during the 7th century. 
This ruling family reigned there from approximately 896 to 1286, a period of 390 years. The Magsumi dynasty was eventually deposed by the Walasma dynasty of Yifat, who would reign over the Yifat and later Adal sultanates from 1285 until 1415. Both the Maksumis and the Gafat people had long paid tribute to the Zagwes as their feudal overlords. These various sultans and kings owed allegiance to the king of kings of Ethiopia. This alliance with the Konoamlak may have been inspired to lessen this load of tribute and taxes under a friendlier emperor. What followed the Battle of Ansita, which took place in the district of Gaint, north of the Bashilo River, is something of a mystery. The dominant account is that following his defeat, the Emperor Yitbarek was convinced to abdicate the throne in favor of the victorious Ikonoamlak by Abbataklahemarut. Other accounts state that Yitbarek was murdered by rival Zagwes, and that another Zagwe emperor, whose name was later purged from the history rolls, tried to rally his dynastic allies but was defeated and driven out as well. Some accounts name this Zagwe emperor as Harbi II. Another account states that Yukonwamlak's men were tipped off by loyalists of the rival Zagwe branch and pursued Yitbarek into the church of St. Syriacus or Kirkos near Ansita and slew him there on the Feast of the Holy Trinity, July 14, 1270. There are those who give the credit of finally convincing the Zagwe's to abandon further resistance and step down to Abba Jesus Moa, but regardless of which version we prefer to accept, the result was the same. The Zagwe dynasty gave way to the House of Solomon with the active participation of the Orthodox Church in the transition. The settlement that was reached with the new emperor, Ikono Amlak, was that the imperial throne was henceforth settled on the Solomonic descendants of Ikono Amlak, the rightful hereditary heir of the old Aksumite emperors, descended in an unbroken line from Minilik I, son of Makeda, Queen of Sheba, and King Solomon of ancient Israel. The title and dignity of Siyuma Xiavir, elect of God, would be borne by the emperor of the Solomonic dynasty, and he would be the king of kings of Ethiopia. The House of Zagwe would owe fealty to the House of Solomon in perpetuity and recognize its legitimacy. The Zagwe's did not walk away empty-handed. In exchange for their fealty, the Solomonic dynasty granted the Zagwe's the districts of Lasta and Wag as their fief in perpetuity. The head of their house would bear the title of Wagshum, or Wagsiyum, Lord of Wag, one of the few strictly hereditary titles in Ethiopia. The Wagshum would be second in dignity to the emperor and his family. He would be entitled to be seated in the presence of the monarch if the emperor was also seated. He would have the right to a silver throne to be placed one step below the emperor's golden throne. He would have the right to have the Nagarit war drum beaten for him in the same manner as the emperor as well. He had the right to be preceded by two silver Nagarit drums mounted on horses during wartime or mules in peacetime, in processions where he was present. The guards of the Wagshum would have their spears ornamented with silver wire, and the staff of his banner could be tipped in silver. When the emperor and the Wagshum met, they would greet each other like brothers by kissing each other on both cheeks, and the Wagshum was not to bow to the ground before the emperor as all others were expected to do. The Wakshum was exempted from tributes and taxes expected of other vassals of the emperor. 
This arrangement remained intact for over seven centuries, from 1270 until the fall of the Ethiopian monarchy in 1974. The Ethiopian Orthodox Tohadu Church received the biggest reward from the restoration of the Solomonic dynasty. The book Be'ele Negest details the covenant entered into between the new emperor and the church. What it says is, Wudim Saged bore a son named Yukonu Amlak, and Abuna Taklehemanut restored the kingdom to him from the Zagwes. At this time, Abuna Taklehemanut was 55 years old, so Yukonu Amlak gave him Siso, or one third of the kingdom, and entered into a covenant with him, and the age from this time on became known as the Age of the Covenant. Georgis Welda Amid similarly states that a third of the kingdom was handed to the church, but credit for the restoration is more broadly attributed to Abba Teklahemanut and Abba Yesus Moa, and to Abu Nekerlos, the Coptic bishop, who was long dead by then, but who may well have endorsed Solomonic restoration and assured that the Coptic patriarch did the same before his death. This land grant of one-third of the empire was known as Cecil, or the one-third. It was permanently exempt from state taxation. Only the church could tax revenue on these lands, and this remained in force until the fall of the Solomonic dynasty in 1974. This provided considerable income and power to the church and freed it from the largesse of the monarchy, the nobility, and other faithful, although all continued to give to it generously. Also, as part of this covenant, the abbots of the monastery of Debra Aspo, later renamed Debra Libanos, in succession to St. Teklahemanot, were given the title of Echegge, and the abbots of Haik Stephanos, in succession to St. Jesus Moa, were given the title of Agavisat. The title of Echegge remains associated with Debra Libanos. The Echegge became the senior most and chief of all monks of the empire, and was second only to the Coptic bishops or archbishops in precedence. As the bishops and archbishops were generally Copts who didn't speak the local languages, the Ichegi as a senior most native clergyman became the administrative head of the Ethiopian Orthodox Church. Eventually, when Ethiopia received her first native archbishop, the office of Ichegi was subsumed into it as it was the Ichegi who was elevated to this position in 1948. Eventually, the first Archbishop, Abu Nebaslius, was further elevated as the first Patriarch of Ethiopia in 1959. Today, the title of Ichege of the See of St. Teklahemanut remains one of the titles of the Patriarch of the Ethiopian Orthodox Toadu Church. The title of Agabi Sa'at translates to Keeper of the Hours, and eventually became disassociated with the Haik Monastery. While it was always held by a high clergyman, it became a title of the emperor's court rather than a church title. The Akabi Sa'ad held a silver staff of office and presided over the imperial court both as a sort of master of ceremonies as well as the keeper of the emperor's schedule. This position wielded immense power for centuries but became largely ceremonial when the emperors lost all power in the Zemenemesafent and eventually went out of existence. Yekono Amlak was crowned and took the additional throne name of Tesfai Jesus. He established a seat in Shoah at Teugled and an additional seat near what is now Ankober. This brought the political center of the empire the furthest south it had ever been at that point, having migrated in the southern direction from Aksum to Lasta and now to northern Shoah. There is written evidence that the emperor was widely referred to by the short name of Yukunut.
Emperor Konoamlak is said to have campaigned against the Kingdom of Damot, which lay south of the Abai River, to re-establish hegemony with the change of the imperial dynasty. According to Arabic texts found in Hadar, deposed Sultan Dilmarah of the Sultanate of Shoah successfully appealed to Konoamlak in 1279 to restore his rule over the Sultanate. So it appears that Yukuno Amlak moved decisively to re-establish imperial authority over Ethiopia's subsidiary monarchies in the aftermath of the change of dynasty from the Zagwes to the House of Solomon. E. A. Wallace Budge states that Yukuno Amlak not only exchanged letters with the Byzantine Emperor Michael VIII Paleologos, but also sent him several giraffes as gifts. At first, his interactions with his Muslim neighbors were friendly. However, his unsuccessful attempts to obtain a bishop for the Ethiopian Orthodox Church from the Coptic Patriarchate in Alexandria strained these relations. The previous bishop, Abuneg Erlos, had died and a replacement proved difficult to obtain. A letter survives that Yukonu Amlak wrote to the Mamluk Sultan Baibars, who had control over the Patriarchate of Alexandria, for his help in obtaining a new bishop in 1273. The letter suggests that this was not his first request. When a new bishop did not arrive, Yukono Amlak blamed the intervention of the Sultan of Yemen, who had hindered the progress of his messengers to Cairo. More likely, the Mamluk Sultan Baibars was probably annoyed at Yukono Amlak's involvement in the succession disputes and wars in the Shewa Sultanate and in the emergent Adal Sultanate, and decided to withhold approval of the Coptic Patriarch sending a bishop. The absence of a bishop was a serious problem for a Christian monarchy. Only a bishop or an archbishop could consecrate a church, ordain priests and deacons, or crown an emperor. Without ordained priests, weddings, christenings, and funerals could not be held, which would be a huge burden on the people and the state. The longer the country went without a bishop, the bigger the problem became. Later, Yukono Amlek is said to have sent lavish gifts to the Egyptian Sultan but that the rebellious governor of Sahart in modern Tigray seized these gifts, which included rare lions said to be as black as night. Professor Taddesa Tamrat interprets Yukono Amlak's son's allusions to Syrian priests at the royal court as a result of this lack of attention from the patriarch. He also notes that around this time, the Coptic Patriarch of Alexandria, Pope Johannes VII, and the Syriac Patriarch of Antioch were struggling for control of the appointment of the bishops of Jerusalem, until then the prerogative of the Patriarchs of Antioch. According to Teklas Adik Mokria, one of the moves in this dispute was the Syriac Patriarch Ignatius IV Yeshu appointing a Syrian monk as Bishop of Ethiopia. Although the Patriarchs of the Holy See of St. Mark of Alexandria had always appointed Ethiopia's bishops, the fact that Ethiopia's first bishop, Abu Salama Kasati Burhan, had been a Syrian, gave the Syriac Patriarch an opening to appoint one of his compatriots to the Diocese of Ethiopia. This bishop took the name and title of Abu Na'iyob, or Job. This enraged the Patriarchate of Alexandria, which had maintained that it had the sole right to appoint bishops for Ethiopia, and that they had to be Copts. The Syriacs had worked closely with the Roman Catholic Crusader Kingdom of Jerusalem, so the new Syriac-appointed bishop, Awane Iyub, traveled to Ethiopia accompanied by Catholic Dominican monks. These Dominicans never reached the emperor in Shoah, 
but set up base in Tigray and began preaching and conducting church services. However, it soon became apparent to the local people and clergy that these Dominicans did not reject the Council of Chalcedon as the Ethiopian Coptic and Syriac churches did, and upheld the doctrine that Christ had two natures and not one. This doctrine of two natures was considered highly heretical in Ethiopia and was rejected and anathemized. An uproar ensued and the Dominicans were expelled as heretics. This, however, deeply undermined the Syrian Abu Na'iyub, who was now regarded with suspicion for having brought these heretics with him. Taddesa Tamrat argues that the lack of Coptic bishops forced Yukon Amlak to rely on these Syrian partisans who arrived in his kingdom but it was not a popular move among the people or the clergy. As a result, Abu Na'iyub never proceeded to Shawa and was never received by Kono Amlak. So in another stopgap solution, the senior clergy assembled and elected Abba Taklahaymanut to the office of the bishop temporarily as a sort of locum tenens or acting bishop. He eventually relinquished that role when a bishop finally arrived in the next reign. But this further established a tradition that the abbot of Debaradivanos' monastery, titled as the Chagge, being the highest-ranking native cleric of the Ethiopian Orthodox Church. Yukuno Amlak is credited with the construction of the Church of Ganeta Mariam near Lalibela, which contains the earliest surviving datable wall paintings in Ethiopia. Al-Makriz relates that a clan known as the Kurazit or Banu, descendants of Abu Talib, had migrated from Hijaz in the Arabian Peninsula to the district of Gabat between Zela and Yifat, where they settled and became widely respected in the region. Emperor Konu Amlak appointed one of them, named Umar Walasma, to govern the area. Umar Walasma established the Muslim Walasma dynasty, which would rule the Yifat Sultanate and eventually the great Adal Sultanate that served both as vassal and as challenger to the Solomonic dynasty and Ethiopia over the following centuries. In the later years of his reign, Yukono Amlak enthroned his son Yigbaz Ion as co-monarch. There's a record of a gift of vestments and holy vessels to the Haik Monastery given in the name of both emperors. Emperor Yukono Amlak died on June 19, 1285. He was initially buried in a place called Yukono, but his descendant Emperor Baedamarem I had his remains reinterred in the church of Atron Samarem two centuries later. This is Solomon Cabrigi thanking you for joining until the next episode of Tarikampa. Tarikampa is available on your favorite podcast platforms and on YouTube. For additional information, including pictures of people and places mentioned in this podcast, maps, and family trees, you may visit our website at www.tarikamba.com. You may send any questions or comments to Solomon, that's with all O's, Solomon at tarikamba.com.